Live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clyde. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. I am uh, I'm, I'm running solo today. So, oh, oh my gosh, so much stuff going on. I don't even know what to talk about. Um, I am in crazy toy season and I'm losing my mind. It is, I don't know how many of you know about my toy business, but I have a little toy thing that I do on the side that makes me absolutely crazy this time of year. And, uh, yeah, I had to run out of my warehouse to come on here and, and hang out with you awesome people today. And, uh, and then I got to run back and um, keep packing toys. So we do a lot of stuff with kids from who are in uh, situations where they don't get toys for Christmas. So if you all are feeling a little bit down on yourself, maybe you want to go out and buy a gift or a toy and take it to a local shelter or take it to a Toys for Tots drop-off point or a Salvation Army drop-off point and and, uh, give a little uh, hope and holiday cheer to somebody who wouldn't otherwise have anything this holiday season. You know, people spend so much time bitching over stupid red freaking cups. And, uh, you know, there's people out there who literally don't have anything at Christmas. So, you know, get over yourselves. Anyway. Hey, Kelly, are you here? I'm here. I'm here. I'm having some technical difficulties today. Uh, I am in a, I am in a low tolerance mood today, Kelly. Uh Uh-oh. 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 Oh Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. It's crazy time of year. (laughs) So, and all this shit that's going on, you know, I, you know, I everybody knows what happened, you know, with the, with the terrorist attacks in Paris, it wasn't just one location, right. it was several locations, absolutely fucking disgusting, makes me want to throw up. And the, the best a lot of people can do is, is blame our president because of course, you know, of course, our president mm-hmm. had something to do with that. <laughs> you know, of course, us bombing an entire nation of innocent people would have prevented this from happening. Of course, you know, instead of just saying, what can I do? Even if the best thing you can do is shut the hell up and pray. That's the best you can do. Yeah. But blaming somebody else. That's not the best you can do. Making this another reason to hate your own government, that's not the best you can do. Kelly, you know what I believe about this whole thing? What? I believe that, well, first of all, I put it up on Facebook. If you want to hear what I really have to say about it, it's up on Facebook in in all its glory. But in a nutshell, what I really believe is these terrorists, they don't represent an entire faith. 
They don't represent an entire nation. They don't represent an entire culture. They represent one collective group of crazy, insane, murderous people. Right? Right. And their goal is to divide and conquer. When they when they flew those airplanes into the Twin Towers and when they flew into the Pentagon and when they, you know, when they were flying towards the White House, when they were doing those things, their entire point was to weaken us so yeah. that we would panic. Because when we panic, we're weak. And our, their whole point was to weaken us financially, to weaken our government, and... They didn't. They united us in that moment for, not, you know, the months around 9-11, the year around 9-11. We were, we were strong. We were united. Yeah. Yeah. But what they continue to do is weaken us. They continue to pit us against each other. They continue to pit us against our leaders. They continue to pit us against our government. And when they do that, they weaken us. And that's how they're going to defeat us. When we're strong and we're united, we cannot be defeated. When you divide us, you show our weakness, and that's how you're going to defeat us. Our own military doesn't agree with each other. Right. Yeah, I mean, really? <laughs> how, well, how fucking strong are we when our own military can't even agree with each other? <laughs> you know what I mean? So... They're doing an excellent job of exactly what they want to do. And the people that are saying bomb an entire country, you're no better than they are. Because you can't bomb an entire country without killing innocent people. Right. And what we need to do is we need to unite as a peaceful people. Everybody who believes in not killing each other for, for hobby, we should all kind of get together. <laughs> You know, and when we fight against these these small cells of insanity, we will defeat them. But as long as we are looking for reasons to blame other people for what they do, we are no better than they are and we are weaker than they are and they will be defeating us. So now, you know, the White House wants to let Syrian refugees into the United States and certain state governments are saying we won't take them. First of all, mm -hmm. do you know who the refugees are in your state now? No, you don't because they're fucking refugees. You don't know who they are. Right. So to say that you're not going to take them, what, what are you going to do? How are you not going to take them? There right. are, I mean, if, if they come ahead. into a state next to you, you just drive in. Exactly. How, you're not going to stop them, but they're, but these, these people are saying the, the, the state leaders that are saying, we're not going to allow them. First of all, many of them are only doing it because the white house said it. If the white house says the sky is blue, there are state leaders that will say, no, it's not. It is green, maybe white mm -hmm. on certain days, sometimes yellow, but no, it's not blue because you said it is. So that is a big part of it. I, I have people in my own family who say stupid shit like, he's not my president. Are you an American? Then yes, he is your president. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know? And mm. so if you're going to go against everything that your president says simply because of who he is and what he represents, then they are winning. But a lot of them are saying that the, the ISIS cells are sending individuals in with these groups, right? 
So they're right. sending ISIS ISIS fighters in with groups of women and children who are seeking sanctuary, right? Yeah. So if that's true, how many can there possibly be, first of all? And second of all, if you follow what the White House is telling you to do and you actually pay attention to these people, then you'll be able to check them. You'll know who they are and you'll be able to background check them. And then you'll have a better idea of how to stop them. If you say, no, we're not going to let them in, then they're going to come in under the radar. And now you have no control. So what's better to work with your government or to work against them? I know if my family was in a country where they were raping and murdering people mothers and and fathers right in front of their children, I'd probably want to get out of there too. Sure. You know, and I'd want to know that there was a safe place that I could go. And if that place offered me sanctuary, I would be indebted to them. I would want to do everything in my power to help them. And so, I mean, we're, we're really becoming a a country of hate and it's, it's really starting to hurt. It's sad. It's sad. It's making me sick. It's making me sick. I, you know, my husband took two break, two months off of Facebook and mm-hmm. he was, um, he, he was very happy that he did it. Sure. You know, he didn't see all the negativo bullshit. We shouldn't have to be looking at it. So my prayers go out to Fran- the people of France mm-hmm. and my prayers also go out to the innocent people that France is bombing right now. Sure. You can't have one without the other kids. You know, it's sad. It's so sad. And to all of those people who say, you know, oh, we should be the ones bombing them. Why? Why? What would that make us? Make us terrorists. We should worry about the old, uh, the terrorists in our own country. You know, when we've got people walking into schools and blowing up schools and, and movie theaters and malls and, and finish lines at races you know, when we have that going on in our own country, we should kind of be focused on our, our own house, getting our own house in order before we go talking about blowing up other people's shit. So there. That comes from a lot of thinking time in the warehouse, Kelly. Yeah, you know, you had me thinking. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, what if, say, for example, the Oklahoma bombing. Okay. Yeah. One, maybe two people did that. So do we go and bomb the whole state of Oklahoma because exactly. that's where it happened and to get, to get this one person back? Exactly. We mm. have a white supremacist training camp in Pennsylvania. Mm. Should, should they bomb all of Pennsylvania? Because we want to get rid of white supremacists who kill people for sport? Because you know they do that, right? Yeah. You know? So it's, you're exactly right, Kelly. You're exactly right. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. You don't go bombing all of Sandy Hook because of one ass hat with a gun. Right. You know, it's, we're, we're really not looking at this logically, but here's the thing. (laughs) If you read the news today, there's a lot of illogical people in the world. Did you hear about the uh, the Pastafarian woman? No. 
No. Oh, so, so, this, <laughs> so this, this is the kind of people that we allow to vote. Um, there's a woman in, I believe she's in Illinois or Connecticut. One of the two. I can't, I can't remember which I should probably know. Hmm. Potato, 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 potato. Anyway, she is, she, she claims to be a pastafarian. In other words, she believes in an alien spaghetti monster. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She says that the people. Right. Right. And she says that the reality of an alien spaghetti monster being in control of the world is just as logical as the reality of God. You know, it's just as mythical and in her mind. Now, I'm not taking her. I'm not taking her belief system on or anything. I'm not going all Pastafarian on you. But Mm -hmm. this is her belief system. So clearly she doesn't believe in God. And to prove her point, she has adopted her own religion of Pastafarianism. And to protect herself from the powerful force of the spaghetti monster, um, she wears a, a colander on her head. No, no way. At all times, right? <laughs> so she went to get her driver's license photo taken, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to let her wear her colander on her head for her driver's license photo. So Crazy goes to court and sues the the Department of Transportation for not allowing her to wear her colander and wins because this is the insanity that is the United States of America right now. <laughs> so she was allowed to go and wear her spaghetti colander on her head for her driver's license photo in honor of her freedom of religion, which is Pastafarianism. Pastafarian. How many... Um... People in her congregation. I believe it's her. Oh, okay. <laughs> I believe it is a congregation of one, and and I'm pretty sure that the, the uh, spaghetti monster, the omnipotent oh, well. spaghetti monster. That's yeah. Probably so the spaghetti monster. Yeah, yeah. We're so Pray ridiculous. to the spaghetti monster. Pray to the spaghetti monster, bitches. I can't. I'm gluten free now. Oh shoot. Right? The, sp- the, the spaghetti monster is making us all fat. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think the spaghetti monster is being angered by the low-carb craze that's going around right now. <laughs> cracking me up. Sorry. Uh, it's insane. We just have so much craziness. No, the, the, oh. the spaghetti monster against Atkins. <laughs> Anti Atkins. That's what really happened. <laughs> it's craziness. That's insane. Did you hear? So we're. I used to live in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and I used to work at the Cherry Hill Mall. This mall is ridiculously huge, right? And the thing that's really funny is Cherry Hill has a, a very high Jewish population. Okay. Um, right. So. Their, I guess their attendance for Santa has been going down and people mm-hmm. haven't been going to the, uh, people haven't been going to get their pictures taken with Santa cause it's getting so expensive, whatevs. Right. So right. Cherry Hill mall has decided to do a, 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 a Santa experience. Did you hear that mm. one? No. They decided to do a Santa experience at the Cherry Hill Mall. So it's not just sit on Santa's lap and tell him what you want for Christmas. No, nay, nay. 
Now <laughs> they do this whole thing where it's like it's like a half an hour long experience where you go in and you can play games. I don't know if there's like elf tossing or something. It's got to be. It's got to be amazing. There's pin the, you, pin the tail on the elf. Exactly. Pin the tail on the reindeer. Kelly, come on. Let's be politically <laughs> correct here. Elves don't have tails. <laughs> Whatevs. Pin the elf to the reindeer? Right? That could be funny. But anyway, it's this like half hour long experience that the kids get to go through. And then at the end, they get to sit on Santa's lap. They get a photograph and a video package of them talking to, you know, old St. Nick. And you get the whole experience for only $50. Ooh. What a bargain. What is going on? Santa hmm. is free. Everything about Santa is free. <laughs> right? Like, the elves make the toys. The stuff comes to you for free. I don't understand. It's insane. So, apparently, you know, this whole thing blew up the internet. And so, the owners of the Cherry Hill Mall were like, we're sorry. It was ridiculous. We were just trying to make money. What were we thinking? Um, you can have it for free. So now they're giving it away as they should, you know, Macy's gives it away. Did you ever do the Macy's experience? No. The Macy's thing is pretty cool. Yeah. Listen to me advertising for all these other companies. I know. I know. We have something here. We have a Polar Express experience where you go up north and you take a train and uh, it's all, it's just like the Polar Express movie when you get there. That's pretty you have awesome. the experience on the train and everything. It's super cool. The kids get to actually go to the Polar Express, through the Polar I like Express. It. I like it. I think it sounds fun. I'm ready for some Christmas cheer. I'm ready for people to start saying happy holidays or Merry Christmas or whatever the hell they want to say on the streets. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for happiness. Well, we should start it today. All right. We're going we're gonna to start it when we come back from this first break because we're going to be talking to a uh, Debbie Cannon, when we come back about organization and time management, which holy hell do I need help with. (laughs) (laughs) And then in our second segment, we're going to be talking to Michael Cannon, and he's going to be talking to us about the power of uh, technology. And uh, um, I'm interested to hear what he has to say about that. So anyway, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to have some more fun. So stay tuned. It takes a village to pay the bills in this freaking studio, which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Need a doctor but don't have time? Don't want to take your sick child out of the house? Doc on Call gives you access to U.S. board-certified doctors by phone or video conference. 
Avoid illness in waiting rooms. Don't take time off work. Call from the comfort of your own home. Get prescriptions when appropriate. No health restrictions. And the best part? No consultation fee. Don't put off going to the doctor. For only $18 per month, get 24-7 access to doctors for you and your family. Go to DocOnCall247.com slash ParentNation to sign up today. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging back with us today. I am excited to be uh, talking with two amazing people who, you know, we're going to be, they're a married couple and they're both on the line right now, but we're going to be talking to the Debbie first and then we're going to be talking to Michael second, but we're talking about some amazing entrepreneurial type stuff, which right now I am in the thick of, so I'm totally getting it. So my our first guest is Debbie Cannon, and she began um, a organization or a company called Smart Cut Solutions. It's a actually it's a membership site, and she basically helps people to get organized without agonizing over it, which she started doing back in the early 1980s. And um, I I've been trying to get organized for the last 40 years, so <laughs> I I'm really I'm looking forward to some helpful advice here. So, hey, Debbie, how you doing? I'm just great. So tell me, you you say that you began organizing without agonizing in the early 80s. What do you mean by that? Well, I had two children under two in the early 80s in cloth diapers and a full-time active duty army husband. And life was eating me alive. And I would <laughs> find myself in the late afternoon with my low blood sugar crashed in my kitchen floor with my toddlers crawling all over me and I couldn't even think about what to do for dinner. I'd have pasta, but I didn't have sauce. I have UFOs, unidentified frozen objects in my freezer. And I just decided I couldn't keep living like that. So I created a system to plan and make it flexible enough to do my weekly activities and my meal planning all at one time. And I began uh, working on it. it it gave me almost an extra day out of my week. It was so effective. And so people started wanting to know what I was doing, and they cajoled me into teaching workshops and eventually into writing it uh, into a book. Over the years, I've divided that book, and I teach it in smaller segments now. It used to be a two-hour and 14-minute workshop. Uh, oh, my gosh. But um, now Nobody I have... Nobody has time for that. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. As, as time got busier and busier, I found that people really needed it in smaller increments. So I teach several different segments. I teach meal planning. I teach scheduling. I teach travel management. Uh, just a, a wide variety of pieces because as an entrepreneur, I find that all these little pieces have to fit together in order to keep your sanity. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I have... Um... I don't know if you heard the the first segment of the show, but I am I have a toy distributorship. Okay. And this is literally this is the week 
Like I, oh, yeah. I bust my hump one week out of the entire year. And doesn't it happen to be the week that, you know, my husband and I have rental properties. So the, the hot water heater blows in one of the rental properties. And, you know, it's like, it, it's just like the craziest things happen when you absolutely have no time for those things to happen, you yep. know? And my husband's like, well, maybe if you plan better. I'm like, how am I supposed to plan for a hot water heater, you know, <laughs> breaking? That doesn't even make any sense. So, like, my kids haven't eaten anything but fast food. So, you know, for the last five days. And uh, there's no laundry done. And there's no grocery shopping done. So, how do you help Welcome to the life like- of an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Debbie. So, what can I do to... Um, to make sure that my children are fed and not smelling bad for the next five days. <laughs> for the next five things. Well, the first thing I always talk to people on is making a little mind shift. And it's a word change. We get this big guilt trip because we think we should have our life in balance. And I'm here to tell you that life balance is a myth. Um, it's a mirage. It's not even going to happen. Uh, it's something you just can't hardly achieve and you certainly can't maintain. So the first thing I tell people to do is just switch their expectation from getting their life in balance to getting their life in a rhythm. A rhythm is something that you can maintain. And I do that by creating what I call an ideal weekly rhythm plan. And I go through and periodically, probably a couple times a year, I sit down and figure out what would be my ideal week if I could be queen for a day and make everything perfect, which I know I can't. The water heater's still going to blow up. But I figure out what what time blocks I work my, my week in blocks uh, that I can, uh, what I u- need to do in each of those blocks. And most people have about a three or four hour block morning afternoon and evening. So I try to figure out what my tasks would best be so I'm not just scrambling. As a home-based entrepreneur, you've got all these little pieces and things that interrupt you. And if as much as you possibly can, kind of decide that like for me, first thing Monday morning is is my personal time. That's when I need to get my house and my my laundry and and just you know, put my put my week together personally, my personal business, plan my meals and what have you. Um, and then I do what I call innies and outies, kind of like belly buttons. <laughs> we have uh, certain days that are my any days. Those are the days that I'm going to stay in. And I don't necessarily have to get dressed up. I don't do my hair. I don't do my makeup, whatever. Um, and so those are the days that I'm going to focus on things that need to be done at home. They could be in my home office or they could be in my household. And then I have my outie days. And those are days that I designate whenever possible to have my out and about errand days so that I'm not having to stop and get cleaned up on a day that I was in working in my sweats because now I need to go to a networking meeting or hold a demonstration for my home business or something like that. So just thinking in terms of what days, um, you know, I'm going to schedule my dentist appointment on an out day. I'm not going to try as as much as I can. I'm not going to put it on an in day. So just a little tip like that is one of the first steps into getting your time management under under uh, control. My next, well, it's a simple, simple thing, but most of what I teach is pretty simple. And yet my clients always say, I never would have thought of that. It's just uh, about every six months I reevaluate or if it's not working, when things are just not working, I sit back and say, okay, you know, what seems to be the problem? Uh, As a quick example, 
some time back, I found that I had not been keeping up with some of my my business work over a fairly significant period of time. And so I started looking at my weekly plan and I'm thinking, okay, what's wrong with this picture? And I realized that I was trying to be traditional. I was raised in traditional schooling where I went to school Monday through Friday. Uh, People work in, in traditional jobs where they have off on the weekend. And that's kind of what I was trying to do with my home business. Well, the, the trick of that was that my daughter lives close with my grandchildren and she would like to, um, also kidnap me, as I call it, and say, Mom, let's go to the mall. And, you know, it might be on a Wednesday. And I'd say, okay, I can probably do that. And off I'd go. Well, you do that too long and everything runs amok. Mm -hmm. So I realized what I needed to do was just plan to have some give in my Monday through Friday so I could run and play. And instead, I would plan my office day uh, to be on Saturday because her husband was home on the weekend and that was their family time and I was very rarely interrupted or kidnapped over the weekend. (laughs) So just making that subtle shift in my schedule made everything work a little better and I started getting caught up again. That is such a great idea. I never even thought of that because I'm like you. You know, you work, you treat it like a job because it's a job. And you work Monday through Friday and at four o'clock you take off the work hat and you put on the mom hat and and no wonder I'm losing my mind. Yep. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you another little smart cut. We say smart cuts are smart ways to take a short cut. And another smart cut is to recognize that you really only need about 20%. It's that 80-20 rule that you hear in many different uh, arenas, but you only really need about 20% of the stuff that we have in our world. And certainly true in in your home and in your home office. Uh, So my tip would be to really go in and have a a deep, clean look at what do you really need to operate. At one point when I was working my direct sales business and expanding into other states, I realized that what I really needed to work that business, I could put in a zippered three-ring notebook. I did not have to have a full-scale office, and many home-based entrepreneurs do not have anything really to call an office. So I would teach my uh, team members to have what I called a box office, which is either just a small file box that they could actually carry in their car with their materials and anything that they really needed, or even this three-ring notebook. So really try and scale back. Uh, Look at things very carefully and realize, do you really need that, especially paper? Uh, most of the things that come across our desk, if it's a great idea for the, like you say, for the holiday sales, you're going to have great ideas come back to you next year. You don't need to save all that. We get into this save mentality because we were raised, most of us, in traditional school where we relied on textbooks and libraries and encyclopedias. And that's just not the case anymore. Hello. Um, Most any information that you need is available at your fingertips, even in your car on your phone, uh, by just hitting Google. So most of the things that I find when I work with clients in their home offices, I'm like, you know what, we really don't need that. It was outdated 20 minutes ago. Uh, We need to just move on and go find the new the new next thing. So that clear is out. So funny because clear I am out. I'm the paper person. So I totally need everything I have. I'm a hard copy person, Debbie. Okay. So everything that I have is on index cards or in spiral notebooks, but never all in the same place. Yes. 
Well, so. that's the next thing. We, I'm going to skip down because I have one other topic here, but I'm going to skip down to the space segment since we segued into that. Mm. When, you, when you're working in organizing your home office or really any space, but it happens to be uh, I'm going to talk about the home office as requested, uh, think in terms of kindergarten now, if you or your children went to kindergarten, you may have noticed that they have little workstations. They have the place for dress up. They have the reading circle. They have the finger painting place. You know, it's all set up in little workstations. And that's really how you want to set up your home office. And I'm going to just name off a few of the workstations that many people do have. Uh, the first one would be the place where you do your telephone work. Now, because we have mobile phones right now, that is becoming a little more challenging because we're not in the habit of being in one place to do our telephone work sometimes. But if you can, decide that you're going to work either even at your kitchen table or just your favorite uh, sofa or lounge chair, find the place where you really like to work on the phone. If you're coaching your, your team or calling your customers, make, make a spot where you like to do that. And one of the things that I always keep in that spot is an old-fashioned stenographer's pad. Um, that's the place where I like to keep the notes so that I have a quick reference back. And even if I'm out and about and I need to call home and say, honey, I need you to look up and, and tell me the name of the insurance guy I just talked to. It's a couple pages back on the steno pad, and he can find that for me. Um, I, I'm very opposed to using those sticky notes for that kind of stuff. I use them very differently. Um, if you go on my website, smartcut-solutions, with an S, dot com, you'll find there's a, an opt-in right at the very, very top, and it says a sticky note brain dump. And if you want to know how I do sticky notes, that's a good tool. <laughs> but. Sticky notes just for remind me to do this and remind me to do that is just what I call office confetti. And it gives you a major guilt trip and they get lost and they get scrambled and you're just really not on task. Mm -hmm. So I would not use sticky notes for that. Put it on one kind of a pad, a spiral notebook, whatever works for you. The next station would be your computer station. Once again, we have many people working on laptops, so they are more mobile than they used to be at a, a uh, normal desk, but decide where you like to do that. I just worked with a client on the East Coast, and she's not a desk person. Accept that. Be okay with it. Don't try and force your round peg in a square hole, for heaven's sake. <laughs> just uh, We moved a, a lovely chair and an ottoman out of her bedroom into a little loft area at, uh, at the top of her stairs and made her a really cozy little office, and she's in love. She has everything she needs right there at her fingertips, and that's where she works her business on her laptop sitting on this little ottoman and she's just a total happy camper so think of where you need to really feel what's your comfort space uh, for a place where you're going to do whatever computer work you may do you also going to need a place for your paper and electronic files and controlling your email that's a whole nother subject that i really can't get into right now but do recognize that there needs to be some places and some systems which i teach for controlling that daily incoming paper as well as your reference and archival paper and your electronic documents many people have products that they uh, they need to house their inventory their samples that sort of thing that's another station that you're going to need to create in my businesses i often have to do shipping i package things and make them for delivery to my customers and i do some shipping so i have what i call a wrap desk w r a 
pee. And I just, <laughs> I just realized there's two ways to spell that. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want the other one. Um, but my wrap desk is where I have my uh, postage uh, boxes, my tape, my tissue paper, uh, the receipts that I write out, the invoices for my product, anything, uh, stickers, labels, anything that I have to have in order to ship or wrap, uh, especially right now, the you know holiday gift baskets, that kind of thing. That's all in that wrap and shipping area. Uh, I often also make an office, uh, my own little office macs or staples. Any place where you uh, get all your office supplies that you have on hand in one place. Don't keep them scattered out all over your world. Especially if you have children who are uh, homeschooling, they're going to need to know where you keep the supply of the paper clips and the notebook paper and, and the map colors and all that stuff. Uh, put it in one location. Oftentimes I use the uh, backside of a, of a closet door and use a hanging shoe file on the back of it. Uh, it works great for all the little stuff that you may have in your office supply area. That's awesome. I have um, my, my kids help me a lot. And so I do too. Right. And it's so you can't even expect kids to know where you keep stuff or where to even get started. If it's like scattered all over the place. Right. In and ridiculousness. So uh, we um, are going to continue talking about the organization. And then we're also going to be talking with your husband about organizing our technology and using our technology in our businesses as well. Um, and we're going to do that when we come back from our next break, if that's okay. Perfect. Does that work? So sure. I just want to make sure before we go to break that everybody knows where to find you your smart cut solutions. Is that your website? Uh-huh. Smartcut dash solutions with an S plural dot com. Awesome. And we will be talking with you more when we come back from this break. Close your iTunes player. Uh, oh, Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. yourself out loud it's nothing to be embarrassed about henry david thoreau once said thinking is only the process of talking to yourself otherwise known as atalalia einstein said that talking to yourself is a sign of intelligence studies show students who talk to themselves in school do better and adult studies show that talking to yourself actually improves your memory Talking to yourself can help you avoid being a Kitchenheimer. You know when you walk into the kitchen and forget what you were going to do? 
What's a word for the tendency to forget why one has gone somewhere? Destinacia. One advantage of talking to yourself is, at least you know someone is listening. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I'm being joined today by Debbie and Michael Cannon. And we were talking with Debbie in the last segment about getting organized. Organization without agonization. Organizing without agonizing. I can't even speak, not to mention get organized. It's a ridiculous day for me today. So anyway, but um, so Debbie, you you were telling us about creating spaces. Are there any spaces that we missed? Uh, just two. I'll name them really quickly so you can get on to Michael. Uh, one is a place where you're going to house any kind of demonstration uh, kits or tools that you might have. If you do uh, home parties or demonstrations or expos, you'll need that organized into a kit. Have a place where it lives. And also maybe a, a satchel, a tote bag or something of what you need when you go to a networking event. I find too many people arrive and spend their time, their money and their effort to go to a networking event and they have no tools in hand to be able to be effective. That is so true. That's so true. When I go to an event like that, I find myself for the last half hour when I should be getting myself ready and going through my elevator pitch in my head and all that stuff. I find myself searching all of my purses for business cards and pens, right? Something to write on. And it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Just get a, get a bag, put it together, leave it done. I'll hire your kids to restock it. That's a great idea. I hire my kids to do everything. I do too. And I went to, um, there's so many companies out there like party plan companies that you can get bags and carrying containers and have them embroidered. Yes. Why not do that? I think that's a brilliant idea too. So well, thank you, Debbie. I appreciate that. We're going to, I'm going to work on getting that organized. You know, I have to tell you, my warehouse is a thousand times more organized than my home. It's because you don't have all those extra people mucking it up all the time. <laughs> Darn right. Darn right. And I work off of my kitchen counter, which is not a really good idea. So <laughs> I just got to get standing desk. Yeah. That's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So I I have to get one of those standing desks. So anywho, the other half of this amazing power couple duo, which is the name of your company, I believe, is uh, Michael Cannon. And Michael, you are a retired lieutenant colonel, which is extraordinarily impressive. Thank you, sir. And you are the technology genius of the power couple. So you talk about how you can give us smart cuts in using technology. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, I, I fell into technology because I was a historian and I worked around uh, historians and people that weren't familiar with technology, didn't like it, didn't want to use it, and I found out I was pretty good at it. So I kind of just dropped into it uh, without really planning on doing that when I went into uh, college the first time. 
So did you, when you went into the military, is that what you wanted to do? You wanted to go into techno a technology field? Oh, no. When I went into the Army, I thought that I was going to make it a career, which I did. I thought it was going to be 30 years, and after 21, it quit being fun. Uh, I and, thought, I, and I said, get out. Yeah, and, and uh, truth be known. I thought that uh, uh, I was going to end up teaching history at a university, and that was what I had structured everything in my career to do. I had one chapter left to finish at my Ph.D., and I looked at what I was doing. I taught at West Point for six years, and I taught a lot of survey courses, and I decided that having a Ph.D. limited me more than it did benefit me. And I really didn't want to go in and teach classes to people that were just trying to, uh, you know, go in and check the box. I really wanted to help people that wanted to learn and wanted to do things. And so technology was a way to do that. And that's what I've been doing since I got out in 96. Wow. That's impressive. Well, first of all, that you taught at West Point. That's yeah. pretty amazing. I'm, I'm kind of like a military. I, I love all things military. So I think, and my dad and I used to time a race. That was, that was held at West Point. So that's pretty. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. My, my roommate, when I was in Beast Barracks the first couple of months there, my roommate was a, a guy named Bob Caslin. He's now the superintendent there. Uh, wow. So that, that tells you, you know, how old I am. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's pretty. Well, I mean, you sound very young. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you sound young for your age. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about what you, how you help entrepreneurs get, you know, get more, I don't even know what the word is, efficient, um, you know, create shortcuts, smart cuts with technology. Tell us how that works. One of the things that we do is Debbie kind of goes in first and she looks at, at the general flow of things, the general patterns of how they work. And then she'll reorganize it or reset it up so it matches their style. And I'll come in behind and assist with areas where uh, I can make recommendations that will increase their efficiency. So as an example, we have a lot of people who uh, have multiple accounts on multiple email systems and we help them consolidate that and then we teach them how to use one email system and, and if they want to use multiple email addresses or multiple systems they can do it all in one system you know and, and some people just don't like to learn how to do that they have this phobia for technology and uh, we both Debbie and I both like to simplify things and so when we assist people with technology we try to, to teach them the easiest way to do things with the least amount of pain involved as far as they're concerned. Yeah. Because wow. it, yeah. And, and Debbie's over there making the money sign at me. We're sitting next to one another, you know, because time is money and so is frustration. The, the more frustrated you get with something, particularly technology, the, the more it's going to cost you in the long term. One of the things I tell people is that it doesn't matter if you're on a Mac or a Linux or Windows pick a system and get good at it and then stay with the biggest uh, products in that industry. You know, you can you can get drawn off down so many rabbit holes when you're working with technology because people will tell you, you've got to have the latest iPod, you've got to have the latest iPhone, you've got to have the latest this, that, or the other. And every time you pick up the latest thing, you've got to go back in and spend time learning it. Now, mm. I've got I, – I, I always say I can, I can buy more technology faster than I can learn to use it, but that's why I have children. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and soon soon we're going to have grandchildren that can help us. So that, yeah. that's going to be uh, a, a real benefit. Right now they just steal our iPads and go hide in the closet and watch movies. Uh. <laughs> that's so true. You know, here's the thing that's so funny about what you just said. I have been an iPhone user forever, you know, since mm-hmm. my first iPhone. And so now I have – I upgrade when I need to, you know, like yeah. the la- – I upgraded most recently because my son gets my passed down phones, right? right. That's what we've done with our kids. And he smashed the screen to the point that it was cutting his ear when he would answer the phone. So we're like, <laughs> okay, now we have to get him a new one, whatever. So I gave him my old five and then I got the new upgraded phone. Otherwise I would have stayed with my 4S forever. And, but because of using the iPhone, we got a Mac, a Mac mini for a computer. Mm-hmm. My kids have wanted to throw this thing through the window so many times because we're used to our Dell machines. We're used to, you know, a Microsoft. We're, we're used to that ease of, you know, we know what we're doing with those systems, right? Yeah. And now, Mac users would feel the opposite. Exactly. You know, if they switched. It's, it's not which one's easier, it's which ones you're used to. Which ones you're used to, exactly. So now, you know, I can't use Word, I have to use Pages, and I can't use Excel, I have to use Numbers. And it's so confusing to me, it makes me crazy. And I'm not, I'm not a technology person. I Michael just, could fix that for you. Yeah. <laughs> that, see, that's what he I need. He knows how to make that happen. That's, that's the kind of have... stuff I'm looking for. Yeah. Cause I can now I'll, I'll put a spread, I'll do a spreadsheet on my mini cause I'm sitting at my desk and then I'll go to try to transfer it to my laptop to take it to my warehouse and it doesn't transfer. Mm-hmm. And then yep. I get mad and then I go, screw it. I'm doing it by hand. <laughs> yeah. And, and you'll see this uh, in large companies where people go in and they want to have their own technology that they're used to. We had, there was a chief of staff of the army that went in back in the mid-90s, and he had everybody in his office change to Macs because he liked Macs, and so his aide used Macs, his office staff used Macs, but then outside of his office, nobody else used it. And so he created more problems than it would have uh, solved if he just adopted the system that was already there. Mm, so and, true. You know, one of the things you brought up just a minute ago was also another important point. You, you talked about technology and moving it to moving the newest technology to you and, and then handing down the technology. There's a sweet spot on technology where you buy stuff and you put it where it will do the most good. So you understand that because you got you got the newest phone because you're the one who makes the money, not them. They can get by with something that's not as as high powered as what you need to have. And that power that you get, those additional functions and things are going to benefit you more than it will them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) I love the meme that says, oh, you got your seven year old an iPhone. Who are they calling? (laughs) Like. (laughs) <laughs> They're calling their grandmother. My grandma gets yeah. all the time. Yeah. See, I could be happy just using a flip phone because right. all I do is I text and I and I call people on the phone. I I check email, but I don't do it enough on my uh, Android to to make it really worthwhile to to open the program up and check it because it's cumbersome. Right. Meanwhile, I'm sitting over here looking at my email inbox and just the unopened messages. There's 43,000 of them. Oh, wow. You really need to talk to us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I call Kelly that drowning knows. in email quicksand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kelly knows. She sends me emails and I'm like, she's like, did you get my email? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> One of the, well, one you're, of the our, things, you're our ideal client. We yeah. can fix that. One of the things that we do, that Debbie and I do on a regular basis is, is as we look at our email, we'll look at somebody and we'll say, do we really need this? If not, we just unsubscribe because we can always resubscribe later. And uh, I recommend to people that if they've got email in their inbox that's older than, than about three months old, they just need to file it because they're not going to get to it. Just flush it. Yeah. Yeah, not delete it, but, you know, because if you're using Gmail, you can go through and you can archive it. Then you can search for it later on if you have to find it. But there's no reason to, one, feel the guilt of not being able to respond to all those emails because that's going to build over time. And number two, it takes up space uh, and it's and it's going to cause technical issues, you know, the more that that, that hangs around your system. We call that constipating your money pipeline. Yeah. So that's (laughs) why my computer is so slow. Well, it could be, yeah. My kids and my husband are like, what in the world is cludging up this computer? It's so slow. Now I can tell them it's mommy's email is constipating it. Yes. (laughs) Well, are you using Outlook or are you using a different mail program? Outlook, I think. Yeah, because see, Outlook will store all the attachments and everything you get in one big file. It's it's in a PST file. So you can, there are programs that allow you to go through and save those documents to a disk so you can have them in a separate folder, uh, and, and it clears them out of that PST file so it doesn't have to search through all that stuff every time it open, opens it. You can also go through and archive uh, emails and save them in a different file so that you can still access them if you want to. But that work file that you have for your email is a lot faster and a lot cleaner. We just think wow. a technology expert is one very overlooked uh, resource that most entrepreneurs nowadays need to have. I'm starting to see that because it's pretty bad. I mean, seriously, I can't even figure out how to automate my inventory and my invoicing process. It's just insane. I Mm -hmm. I have, I have so many things and here's, I'm not running a a tiny business either. I mean, it's kind of a big deal that I have to go in and copy. I have to duplicate an invoice (laughs) and then rewrite it to send out a new invoice because I haven't created a file that's a blank invoice yet. <laughs> well, that's that's part of my wheelhouse is I, I help people with, um, usually when we do a proposal for somebody, there's several different aspects that we address. One of them may just be their physical uh, space arrangement like we just talked about. It may be managing their time a little more effectively or a lot more effectively. Um, one of the things that I often include in a proposal is setting up some templates for people so that they have those forms that they just never got around to realizing they needed to take the time to do. And then mm-hmm. Michael helps them, you know, make their technology path more efficient and effective. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. That's such a great I, – I need somebody like you really badly. Like, so would you come in, Michael, would you – I would basically have you take over my computer and look at the mess that it is, and then you would say, this is what you have to do? Yeah. Wow. That's the great thing about technology is that you can call people and hire them without them actually being on spot anymore or on site anymore. And – uh that's the way that more and more business is going to go. I mean, that's why you have to be keeping up with technology, but you, you can't let technology uh, make demands on your time to the point that you're non-functional. 
oh, I become catatonic. Yeah. I mean, I sit in front of my computer and my kids are like, are you still breathing? Seriously? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know. Well, I can do anymore. my work virtually or on site. And Michael does most of his, well, almost all of his, he does virtually. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So and, we go, and I understand. I understand how people get frustrated with technology. You know, my wife and I were laughing. Because I'm the one that's t- frustrated with technology. Well, I was going to use my personal example, <laughs> not you. But the truth <laughs> is, it's me. <laughs> See, I don't. I don't go work on cars. I don't even change the oil in my car because when I start working on an oil filter, there's a switch that gets thrown in my brain that just sets off my temper. And it's the same way with trying to do things like we, we installed a microwave uh, this past weekend and. Uh, it was ugly. It was ugly. I, you know, we called my son-in-law, and he finally came over, and he assisted. So I did the stuff that I was good at, which was pick up, move, you know, shift it to one side or the other. And, and there are people that are the same way with technology. You know, if you don't, mm-hmm. if you don't speak it, don't fight it. And, right. and so we hire out some of these things that I know I can't do. I don't uh, – I mean, I put in a battery – uh, in our van six months ago, which was a major step, but you know it was on top and it was like five screws, so it wasn't. You just need to recognize wow. what are your strengths and then just get over it. Yep. And then we need to hire you. I can't believe we're out of time. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> so anywho, we're gonna we're gonna put your information up on the website. It is uh, Smart Cut Solutions, and you are the power couple consulting couple. And thank you so much, Debbie and Michael, for joining us today. And I hope all of you who are listening will go to toginet.com and uh, take our listener survey and tell us what you think we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what we could change. And until next week, everybody, keep playing. Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given? and try clean.